Hello Rebels, today my show is about lobster bisque. Sounds delish, but this one will leave a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, I'll get out of the way in a second, but before I do, do me a favor, go to therebel.media slash shows and buy a premium subscription. It's eight bucks a month. You can afford it. Come on, mate. Uh, it helps us. We use the money to pay for these things and you get the access to the video version of the show. I want to show you this chef who invented a lobster bisque recipe. I want to show you him on a CBC program. That's important for the story and you get the video version with the premium subscription. That's at therebel.media slash shows. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, is the CBC taking secret payments in return for special favors? It's June 17th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Why? consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. I saw a strange story out of the UK the other day about their BBC state broadcaster. Believe it or not, they're actually worse than our CBC in terms of their bias. Here's the story I saw. It's in the Daily Telegraph. BBC admits receiving millions in grants from European Union and councils. I'll read a little bit. The BBC received millions of pounds from the European Union and local authorities over the past four years. The Daily Telegraph can disclose. Here's some more. Look at these details. The news prompted MPs to raise questions about the BBC's impartiality when its journalists report on events in the EU. The BBC admitted in a letter to a Tory MP that it has received nearly £3 million in grant money from the European Union over the past four years. Other grants, totaling £16 million, came from local authorities across the UK. The money was spent on research and development projects. The broadcaster also disclosed that its commercial arm BBC Worldwide borrowed over 141 million pounds from the European Investment Bank since 2003. Of that figure, 30 million pounds is still due to be repaid by the end of May this year. These figures are disclosed in the Commercial Arms Annual Report, while the BBC's annual report does not make clear where the grant money comes from. Holy cow, I did not know that the BBC borrowed 141 million pounds. That's almost a quarter of a billion dollars in Canadian money. Now, of course, I didn't know this. How would I know that? I'm a Canadian, but it looks like most Brits didn't know it either because it looks like the BBC tried to hide it. But not completely, of course, but as you can see, it was tucked away in an obscure financial document, not the BBC's main disclosure. And the Telegraph story goes on a fair bit, but they make the obvious point if you borrow a quarter of a billion dollars, pounds, dollars, from the European Union and the number one political story in the UK is about the European Union and politicians who want to leave it in a Brexit, it's fair to say that you're compromised. You've got a quarter of a billion reasons to like the EU. And even if you're not explicitly running favors for the people who have bailed you out year after year, the people who are paying your salary, of course, it's going to be subconscious. It's, it's part of your total package of knowledge and feelings about anything. They, the, the EU likes you. They like you so much they're lending you a quarter bill. They like you so much they're making everything in your life possible. Your paycheck, your company, your office, um, a career that lets you chase your political dreams. Yeah, that's a bribe, people. There's a reason why, for example, we require politicians to register any outside interests, gifts, or businesses, and we limit those 
because who pays the piper calls the tune. It's why Justin Trudeau was convicted of four counts of breaking the Conflict of Interest Act when he took a secret $200,000 vacation on Billionaire's Island in the Bahamas and then lied about it. We need to know who's paying the prime minister on the lowdown because as it happens, the billionaire in question, the Aga Khan, he applies for massive, massive grants every year from the Canadian government. The public needs to know about secret deals like that. So I, I saw that incredible news. The BBC took a quarter billion dollars in credit from the European Union and a whole bunch of things suddenly made sense to me, such as why the BBC is so hostile to Brexit, why they are so bitterly opposed to Nigel Farage of the Brexit Party, why they stack all of their TV panels in favor of the EU. I mean, I'll be honest, if you gave me a quarter of billion dollars, I might be persuaded to say those things too. And so I immediately thought, does our CBC in Canada do the same thing? And how would we ever know? They routinely black out access to information requests. They outright refuse to divulge anything touching on their editorial work, as if that's some sort of state secret or something. For example, they refuse to even just divulge the salaries of all the government journalists who work there. They know Canadians would be appalled. Back when Gian Gameshi, uh, when that whole scandal broke and it came to light that the CBC had been actively protecting Gameshi and they had actually set up a war room of senior managers with the express purpose of discrediting uh, Gameshi's many accusers, we made a request to find out how many other sexual predators were at the CBC, how many settlements of sexual misconduct for their staff. Countless pages all blacked out. If Harvey Weinstein had worked at the CBC, he'd simply have used taxpayers' money to fight off his accusers, and the whole thing would have been covered up, kept a secret. Now, we know about some of the secret deals CBC uh, that, that go on at the CBC. We know that David Suzuki, obviously, has turned his access to the CBC's megaphone into a multi-million dollar a year machine, using the state broadcaster to promote his own businesses, including his multi-million dollars a year foundation. Suzuki's foundation was literally a is literally a registered lobbyist, taking foreign funds to lobby the Canadian government, while Suzuki uses his platform in the Canadian government. So just like Trudeau, he's in a blazing conflict of interest. But like I say, he's at the CBC. So like Jean Gameshi did for so many years, he's getting away with it. By the way, uh, Suzuki got away with being a creepy old lech too, a little bit like Gameshi, as far as I know, he didn't punch anybody. But as you know, when he would do speaking engagements, he would have what's called a rider on the contract, all these little rules. So he would call his female, get his female assistant to call in advance and lay down the rules. And in the case that uh, I discovered of a junior college in Quebec, I'm talking teenage girls, David Suzuki had this really pervy demand that all his bodyguards be teenage girls. I swear to God, he had a female assistant. That's, and that's the move that Harvey Weinstein did. He had his female assistant set up his encounters. David Suzuki had a female assistant contact the school and demand only girl bodyguards. And so gross, that school complied because like Gian Gameshi, no one challenges a creepy CBC perv. The school literally told the girls what to wear. They literally inspected how they were dressed that day and they had to impress the dirty old man himself. And then after the speech, I swear to God, it's right there in, in the records of the school, the girls were invited to go up to the penthouse to spend some quality time with the great man after it's all over. Everything I've just shown you is from access to information documents to that Quebec school, John Abbott College. The CBC would never show you all of Suzuki's pervy demands. It's, it's not just 
insiders like Gameshi and Suzuki, who rung out the CBC for their private gain, word gets out that if you're in the Canadian government and you want positive coverage, take your money and divert it to the CBC, and they'll basically read out whatever script you hand them, but they'll keep it a secret from viewers, as in, they're not going to call it an ad. They'll actually accept cash to do the kind of news that you pay for, but they won't label it an ad. Look at this. This is in a story in McLean's magazine a few years back, showing that a government agency literally paid cash to the CBC and got, in return, they got news segments on the nightly news, not ads, news. Let me read a few lines from the contract that the CBC signed with the government. This is from McLean's. It is CBC's intention, but not guarantee, to produce a documentary segment for the National, an online component on cbc.ca, segments, plural, for nightly news on CBC. Parks Canada shall pay to CBC a cash contribution of $65,000. Now, Parks Canada isn't the most partisan of government agencies, but it's still political. I mean, these days, it's run by Catherine McKenna, one of the most extreme partisan in Trudeau's government, and they literally paid cash to order up nightly news coverage called news, not called ads. And how did they know they could do that? I mean, how did word get around? It would be like going up to a cop and saying, hey, can I pay you? You would never do that unless you knew in advance you, could, you wouldn't be arrested for that. How did they know they could do that? What, what other government agencies have paid for positive news that we don't know about? D does the finance minister do that? Does the defense minister, does the immigration? How often does this happen? And by the way, is it just Canadians or like that BBC story? Does our CBC take foreign money too? Because it sure looks like it. It sure looks like the CBC's coverage of the oil sands could have been written by any one of the OPEC countries bashing our Canadian oil sands at every turn because we're competitors to them, bashing our pipelines, but not saying a word against Saudi Arabia or Iran or Venezuela or any conflict oil countries in OPEC. Isn't that funny? I wonder if we'll ever know. We know that liberal affiliated companies like Bombardier and SNC-Lavalin routinely pay bribes secretly. The CBC is weird that it actually made up a contract to be bribed to give coverage. To them. Do you think they've ever taken cash on the side like SNC-Lavalin or Bombardier pays? You think we'd ever find out? I started poking around on the CBC's website, and I see that they're still selling access. They, they actually advertise that they're doing this if you look hard enough. Let me give you a really trite example. I just found this poking around today. It, it's a show a little while back on the CBC television called Recipe to Riches. So it, it is a game show for amateur chefs or whatever, and the CBC ran this everywhere. They ran the game show itself, and then they put outtakes of that game show elsewhere into the CBC. Like, like here it is on a CBC daytime talk show a few years back called Steve and Chris. I'll just show you the first minute. So they had the show and then they turned it into news on, on this other show. Well, Chris and I were glued to Recipe to Riches last night. Where are we, Chris? Oh, right? I was. It's a new show right here on CBC, guys. So I, I know I, you guys loved it. Tell me. Uh, hello. Absolutely, right? This show is rocking my world. Totally. <laughs> well, the episode was all about entrees last night, and it came down to two contestants. There's Winslow and Melissa. I was so stressed out. <laughs> stressed. Take a look, guys. Have you reached a decision? I think we have. I think we have. Winslow, Melissa, one of you will be crowned the winner, the other will be going home. Arlene. Melissa, you are an inspiring competitor. But Winslow, 
you are the winner of this week's Recipe to Riches. Yeah, you wouldn't know it, but that whole thing was bought and paid for. That whole thing, it wasn't real. I mean, it, it was fake. fake. Fake's not the right word. It was, it was bought and paid for by Loblaws, but it, it looked like a show, right? Loblaws, you know who I'm talking about. That crooked, liberal, connected company that got $12 million in free fridges from Catherine McKenna. Loblaws. You know, the crooks, the crooked liberal company that illegally engaged in price fixing of bread for more than a dozen years, colluding with other retailers to artificially jack up the price of bread, literally stealing money, stealing food from the mouths of the poor. Obviously, they can spot a fellow crook when they see one. So like Parks Canada, they cut a deal with the CBC. Now, we don't know how much Loblaws paid the CBC, and we don't know for what. For the show, of course. Did they also pay to push that show onto other shows in the CBC and pretend that it was news? Probably. Here's a copy of the CBC release. This is what people like that friendly chef there from Jamaica had to sign. It's a very long document. I'm not sure how many contestants would have read the whole thing word for word. It's very lawyerly. I read the whole thing. Let me show you a couple parts of this agreement. This is the CBC document. Uh, this is section 12 here. I understand that in addition to the above, the participants release form will require me to grant the following rights to the producer, which rights may be licensed to Loblaws and its licensees, assignees, parent, affiliated, and subsidiary companies, and authorized representatives, and which will require me to agree to certain conditions, obligations, and limitations on my ability to use my recipe, other recipes, and my name, image, personality, and likeness. As in, if you go on, this, if you go on the CBC show, if the CBC lures you onto the show with the promise of like fame, guess what? You just sold all your rights to Loblaws for everything. Oh, and they get it for free from you. Let me read. For greater certainty, during such 18-month exclusive period, I will agree not to license, assign, or grant any right, title, or interest in the recipe or a modified version to a Loblaws competitor, as defined by producer in its sole discretion, such definition to be set out in the participant release form whether in association with my name, image, or likeness, or otherwise, I also agree to restrictions on my ability to appear on television and other entertainment media, and to restrictions on my right to sell, license, and or grant rights to any other recipes within the same category to a Loblaws competitor. So Loblaws takes your recipe, gets to sell it, keeps the profits from it, they get to use you and your photo, and you can't, not only do you not get paid, you can't do anything for 18 months after the show. So you got this fame for being on the CBC? Sucker! You can't even sell it on TV. Loblaws gets it for free. Let me just read one more. Here's, here's what they sign. I acknowledge that no fees, royalties, residuals, or other consideration will be payable to me in respect of any broadcast, subsequent rebroadcast, or retransmission, or any other use by the producer, 
or any of signees or licensees of the series, the materials, or my likeness, or any part thereof in any manner or media now known or hereafter invented. So yeah, I know, you're shocked, right? This multi-billion dollar company that steals bread money from the mouth of the poor. That's, well, guess what? They're also stealing recipes from up and coming chefs with no compensation, that recipe and any others. And they're not allowed to go on TV. Yeah, I'm shocked that a company that knows how to rig the rules to get what they want from the liberals, free fridges, uh, get out of jail free for price fixing. I'm shocked that they know how to rig the rules to get what they want from the CBC. But what exactly did Loblaws want from the CBC? I mean, slow down just for a second. Did Loblaws really need some recipes? Do you think, do you think they're short of recipes? I'm pretty sure Loblaws doesn't, doesn't need more recipes. They've got, they got thousands of recipes. Pretty sure they have all the recipes they need. Pretty sure they have their own professional kitchens. Pretty sure they sell products from a thousand different food manufacturers, each of whom has recipes. I'm pretty sure that's not what was actually for sale here. I mean, yeah, they, they took it. Of course they're going to take it. They're not dummies. What was really for sale was the CBC itself. How much money did Loblaws give to the CBC? Was it, was it $100,000 for this? Was it, was it a million dollars? Was it, I don't know, was it 10, 10 million? And do you think like that secret Parks Canada deal that it gave Loblaws the right to inject little pro-Loblaws stories into the evening news? Because that's what Parks Canada bought, into the evening news. Or more to the point, not necessarily pro-Loblaws stories, because that might look weird, but to smother anti-Loblaws stories. Loblaws doesn't need another recipe for lobster bisque, they got one. Loblaws needs a recipe for how to avoid a PR black eye after stealing bread from the poor for more than a decade. Loblaws needs a recipe for how to not look like crooks when they get $12 million in free fridges from Old Yeller. That's what Loblaws is buying in their secret deals with the CBC. Loblaws is buying fake news from the CBC, just like the EU is buying fake news from the BBC. And the prostitutes at the CBC are more than happy to rent themselves out by the hour. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, if you've been following my show for any amount of time here at The Rebel and for years before that at the Sun News Network, you'll know that I have a tradition on Remembrance Day to do two things. I read Rudyard Kipling's poem about Tommy Atkins, the soldier who is taken for granted by his countrymen, and I lament the fact that you can set your stopwatch that for 24 hours precisely, the media party pretends to care about veterans, and then once that duty's done, they forget about them for the next 364 days. Uh, I suppose this year there was an extra day when thinking about veterans and respecting them was in vogue again, namely June 6th, the 75th anniversary of D-Day, Operation Overlord, where the combined Allied armies invaded Normandy, liberating France and the rest of Europe from the Nazi grip as the Red Army marched in from the east. 
But wouldn't you know it, doing two days of quiet contemplation was too much for some leftists in Canada, in particularly that of the Victoria, the disgraceful Victoria City Council. I think you've heard the news that on D-Day itself, a Vancouver City Councilor named Ben Izzett moved a motion demanding that the city no longer pay for memorial events such as Remembrance Day and that soldiers or the military itself should. This he timed for D-Day. Well, I have some news, as you may have heard. The national shaming of Ben is that turning him into a, uh, a pariah. Well, let me read the headline from this story. Councillor, sorry for causing offense with motion seeking federal money for military events. Victoria Councillor Ben Issett has apologized for the unfortunate timing of a motion amendment seeking federal money for policing local military events, such as Remembrance Day, but said he's not sorry for bringing it up. Or as the kids say, sorry, not sorry. So he's sorry for offending you, as in he's not sorry for what he did. He's sorry that you have such a thin skin. And as he made it clear, he's just sorry for the timing. He didn't mean for it to be on D-Day, but he did mean the motion. One more line before I introduce our guest. The, the comedy of it, listen to this guy. I'm not sorry for standing up for taxpayers. <laughs> I'm laughing because short weeks earlier, this same counselor, along with other counselors, voted to give themselves $10,000 worth of taxpayers' money for free meals because unlike you and me, they can't pack their own lunch to work. Joining us now via Skype is our friend Lee Humphrey, who is the founder of Veterans for the Conservative Party of Canada. Lee, I wish that this were a rare, isolated incident, but I see this sort of thing happening all too often. Yeah, sadly, it seems like we, we, we've been through a period of time where we have a federal government giving veterans benefits to a cop killer who was never a veteran. We have city council making ridiculous decisions uh, about supporting Remembrance Day events and then timing it with a D-Day uh, celebratory anniversary. Uh, we have a federal government that rolls out an Afghan memorial in secret and doesn't allow veterans or the families of the fallen to even know about it or attend. It, it just seems like we have this dual message in Canada where, as you allude to in your intro, you know, typically once a year, it, we see Canadians really consider and, and think long and hard and remember what veterans have done for this country. And it seems incredibly genuine. You know, it's so quickly forgotten and, and we're back to these silly politics and, and, and foolish games being played uh, on the backs of veterans for no, no discernible reason. You know, uh, on D-Day, I remember uh, doing my research for the monologue, uh, the staggering scale of the Canadian commitment to the Second World War. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if I recall, there were more than one million who served in uniform out of a total population of the time of just over 10, 11 million. So that would be like three and a half million Canadians today were going to a war effort, just unbelievable. Uh, a large loss of life, of course. 
But talk about disproportionate service. Like by the end of the war, depending on what source you look at, we were the third, fourth, or fifth largest Navy, Air Force. Like we were in the first rank. And, and we were there for the First World War disproportionately. And we were even there in the Boer War. There were Canadians. And, and, we, and many Canadians, and we served in Korea. Um, and, and many Canadians volunteered to serve in Vietnam, of course, the, in, in modern engagements too. Afghanistan was a huge effort. I guess when I, by listing all these things, Lee, I'm saying, I think there really is a Canadian tradition of military service, even if the pop culture does not celebrate it the same way they do in the States. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a quiet level of patriotism here. We're not as overt in our patriotism. And, you know, rarely... Uh, at, at one of those events, am, am I not thanked for, for my service while I'm thanking uh, those veterans that came before me? So I, I do get the sense that as a whole, Canadians, and even the response to, to the city council, the Victoria City Council's decision, was overwhelmingly uh, anti-decision, uh, uh, their decision, sorry. And you had a commercial entity, London Drugs, stepping up saying, you know, if you guys are foolish enough to go forward with this, we'll fully fund the $15,200 you need for Remembrance Day. So, you know, there was an outpouring of support. Now, this councilman, of course, initially labeled it as the alt-right. Hmm. And even in his apology, he, he suggested this was a perversion uh, of, uh, of their ability to do their jobs as, as council and, and that it was a smear campaign of the organized conservative groups, and hmm. you know, so th there's there was no sorrow in his his uh, his apology. There was no actual apology, but by and large, Canadians rose up between D Day and their decision to uh, revoke this motion on the 13th of June uh, yesterday. Uh, Canadians rose up as as a whole, I think, in huge numbers, and said, "No, this is wrong." You know, I, I think that Canadians love it. I mean, whenever I see even cadets on the street or whenever I see people in uniform, I'm, I'm just, I sort of straighten up and I think, wow, there's someone, the first thought I have is there's someone doing the right thing. And my second is there's someone doing more than me. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting, but I think a lot of people feel that way. But maybe, but obviously there's the Ben Issets of the world and, and I'm not going to get too partisan right now, but I think the, the federal liberals have taken advantage. Well, I mean, Justin Trudeau himself said that the veterans are asking for more than we can give, he said, as he gives money to, to the likes of Omar Khadr. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just would like to think that we love our vets as much as the Americans do. Let me give you a little anecdote. Lee, I was, last time I was down at SeaWorld in the United States, before the big show, yeah. every single time... They say, would every serving uh, member of the forces or veteran stand up for applause? Like they don't, that wasn't on any special day. Every single show at the big killer whale tank there, they start with a shout out to veterans at, at so many of their amusement parks, so many restaurants. Um, there's this, if you're a veteran, you get a discount at the very, it, airlines in the United States. I was flying, I think uh, it was United. Uh, veterans in uniform get to board the plane first, no matter what class. So it's just so ubiquitous, this love and respect for veterans. 
I don't think we have that here in Canada. I think if someone were to start being that way, a lot of people would join the parade. Yeah, you know, it, it is different. And I do remember in the mid-2000s uh, uh, being on vacation in Florida with my family and, and whether it was SeaWorld, whether it was Disney, uh, Universal Studios, etc., they all uh, followed that same path, if you will, and did a salute to serving members, veterans, etc. Um, and as I said, the Americans are, are somewhat more overt in their patriotism and their support. Canadians are quietly proud of their Canadian forces. But if you remember back to the Yellow Ribbon campaign and the Wear Red uh, to Work on Friday's campaign mm -hmm. during the Afghan conflict, mm -hmm. it was wildly popular and we saw a huge upswing in the number of civilians attending Remembrance Day services. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think you'll see, ever see the rah-rah of the United States as it relates to the military or veterans, mm -hmm. but you certainly see a level of support, a subtle level of support, whether it's a yellow ribbon on a car wearing red to work, uh, support the troops' uh, uh, loops on, on people's wrists, that, that do say that Canadians, by and large, support veterans and the isits of the world, the isits of Canada, are a tiny minority of, of people that I think <laughs> truly hate the concept of Canadian military history. They want to erase Canadian military history just as they erased Sir John A. Macdonald's statue. Yeah, you know, it's that and same town. Yeah, it's that same town council. They're so crazy, and which is funny because, of course, the Navy has a strong presence in Victoria and, and elsewhere on the island, Nanus Bay. I'm not sure if they're still using that as a testing ground. Like that's, that's where the western coast of our Navy is based. You'd think they would just have more respect from just seeing the activity of their, of their local you know, city, city friends and neighbors. Yeah, approximately 40% of the entire Royal Canadian Navy uh, sits uh, just opposite, uh, you know, that little bottom piece of, of Victoria Island. And even closer to the city, for, for close to three decades, the 3rd Battalion of the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry was located at a place called Work Point Barracks. And we used to run the boardwalk almost daily into Victoria and back, and, and we interacted with the citizens. And, and when we came back from Croatia in 1993, uh, veterans and everyday citizens had a lovely welcoming home ceremony for us at the uh, grounds of the parliament. Hmm. So there's a long military tradition in Victoria City and, and in that uh, corner of the island uh, that somehow seems, uh, you know, to be forgotten as if, if they want to pretend that the uh, the military and the families of the military don't pump millions of dollars into that city every year. Yeah, well, I mean, the money is one thing, of course, and the activity, but just, you know, friends and neighbors, you see people, they're, they're not strangers, they're not like some fictitious or imaginary hypothetical. You know, there's one thing to be anti-war, and you know what? Uh, I'd say there's a not small number of soldiers and veterans themselves who are anti-war. In fact, uh, a lot of Remembrance Day poems could be called anti-war. But what Ben Isset did wasn't anti-war, it was anti-soldier. And that's the difference. That you, you can be against a war that people have to fight, 
but the people who did fight it and did make a sacrifice, that's a whole different level of gross, and, and I find that troubling. You know, I want to ask you a practical question, Lee, and I appreciate you coming on our show so much. Um, I remember a, a year or so ago, we had trouble giving away, I know this sounds crazy, we raised over 15 grand for veterans because we saw there was a need for a food bank, and we were turned down by a number of veterans groups that were instructed by the liberal government not to accept donations from rebel viewers. It wasn't my money. It wasn't hurting my feelings. Like, I don't know why the liberal defense ministry was instructing all these charities not to take the money. I don't know how that hurt me. It hurt the vets. In the end, you helped us find uh, a veterans-oriented program in Calgary that we gave it to, and I thank you for that. Is there yeah. something, is there someone, like I mentioned in the States, the traditions they have, like restaurants have discounts and parks have, you know, commemoration. Like, is, is there anything in Canada that we could be a part of? Because I, because it's, you know, we're not that far away from Christmas, by the way. And I'd love to raise some more dough from our viewers like we did. Is there something you can, or maybe it's something we do. Could you have any practical advice? Because I'm, you know, I'm talk, 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 but I'd like to do something, even if it's just 15 grand or maybe it's 150 grand. I don't know. Do you have any advice or do you need to think about that for a bit? Yeah, I, I might want to think about it for a little bit. I know there's uh, an upcoming event that's uh, ironically timed uh, near the election. It'll be the Saturday before the election. It's it's a nonpartisan event, and, and it's called Walk for Veterans. They did it last year in about half a dozen cities. It's going to be expanded to at least uh, 12 of the larger cities this year. And it, it's a nonpartisan event where veterans will be encouraged to walk civilians to join them. Uh, to have an opportunity just to talk about, talk to veterans, get to know veterans, and, and get to understand that they're members of your community. Um, so maybe that's something we could talk about, uh, you know, offline, and, and I can figure out a way to make that connection. Sure, yeah. Well, let's have that private conversation. I don't want to put a, a bona fide veterans thing in a pickle by having the Department of Defense get all partisan against them. Like, I don't want to cause a problem for a group. These guys are totally outside of that. All right, well, let, totally you and me can ever, can catch up privately because I want to do something, and it sound, that sounds like something interesting that we would film, like interview. It sounds like something we could actually participate in as a walk uh, ourselves. Sounds like it's something we could email our viewers to tell them about. And I don't know if there's something we could do to be part of it, but I, I just... Seeing this idiot, Ben Isset, it's not enough for me to get mad at him. I want to do something to counter him. And I know you're the guy to help give me some tips on that. So I'll follow up with you later. And maybe, maybe when you and I come up with a plan and we check all the, the, the ins and outs of it, then we can come back on TV and tell our viewers about it. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Well, listen, great to see you again, my friend. And I'm so glad that you are an advocate for veterans and for serving military and just for, you know, it's not even that, it's just decency. I mean, for God's sakes, um, on D-Day, to cut, it's just yeah. unbelievable. Well, I'm glad you're fighting for the good guys and it's great to see you again, Lee. You as well, thanks Ezra, appreciate all, right. all your help. Well, it's, it's my pleasure. All right, folks, there you have it, our friend Lee Humphrey, who is the founder of Veterans for the Conservative Party of Canada. He also has given us uh, interesting insights into military conflict zones, some of which he has served in in the past. Um, today, talking about the treatment of veterans, and I will come back to you uh, if Lee and I can come up with a plan of how we rebels 
can do something meaningful. I'd love to do something meaningful, and maybe it can be even bigger than the 15 grand we gave away last year. All right, stay with us. More Head on the Road. Welcome back. What do you think about that story about the CBC? I got to tell you, if any other private sector newspaper were to have been discovered selling news stories secretly, they, they would have been sacked from the top to the bottom. There would be investigations. I don't even know on what grounds, but you better believe there'd be investigations, some sort of fraud perpetrated on the reader. I don't know. But the CBC, that's just their business model. It's gross enough when it's Parks Canada buying new segments. I read it to you. News segments for sale. When Loblaws is doing it, that's just gross. You can't trust a word the media party says. All right, folks, that's the show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep for fighting for freedom while you still can.